Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome into the Tiger Woods Podcast, right here on the Believe Podcast Network. You know it, the number one podcast network for professionals. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? The 102nd PGA Championship is upon us. Cam Rogers coming at you. I'm alongside Bridget Whalen. We will break down this massive tournament on this very show the only major championship by the way folks technically on the pga tour scheduled the rest of the year of course we have the u.s open after the fedex cup playoffs hit us up on social media i am on twitter at mr rogers 99 and on instagram at mr rogers 98 Bridget Whalen on Twitter and the gram at Bridget K. Whalen. So here's the lowdown, folks. We're going to talk about TPC Harding Park first out there in San Francisco, the host course this week. A very interesting course at that. You're going to want to hear this because if you're playing fantasy, you're betting, whatever the case, you're going to want to know a little bit about this course. It's very intriguing. Then, of course, Tiger Woods. What are his chances of hoisting the Wanamaker Trophy on Sunday afternoon if you're on the West Coast or evening if you're on the East Coast? Yes, we have primetime golf this week. And then, of course, Bridget and I will reveal our picks. I am riding in hot. Talk about momentum, folks. Picking Justin Thomas to win last week. Will I pick him again? You'll find out later in the show. Bridget Whalen, welcome to the program. Happy Major Championship Week. Happy Major Championship Week indeed. We've waited 378 days for this, so I am definitely happy. And also, you and this like two-pick week in a row thing, uh-uh, I'm not letting it happen. You had Victor Hovland twice, you're not getting JT this week. <laughs> wow, done. okay, putting your foot down. I love yeah. it. You know what? I'm not going to go with JT. All right? I'll tell the folks that right here off the bat. Good. So, I mean, you just teased that you might have. So the, I'm, I dropped the hammer. This was fair. my doing. That's <laughs> fair. All right. Well, that's uh, totally fair. I will not go with Justin Thomas again this week, but I don't think he wins anyway. So there's the tease. It's been ruined, but it's all good. So uh, I was going to say, though, the only two people to ever win a major after winning the event the prior week were Tiger and Rory. And the event that mm -hmm. they won the prior week was indeed the WGC FedEx St. Jude. And there you have it. So history repeating itself again. We shall see. I'm more of a contrarian in that regard. In that, And who's going to benefit if it does? <laughs> yeah, I'm a regression to the mean kind of guy. But we'll see what happens. Justin Thomas playing pretty darn well. Bridget, let's talk about the course first. TPC Harding Park underwent a significant renovation in 2005 and then 2014 when bent grass was put into place there for the greens. Typically a par 72, but this week it's a par 70 stretched just a bit over 7,200 yards. So you see that number 7,200 and you're like, oh, that's not bad. Then you find out it's a par 70 and then you're like, oh, that's pretty bad. Fairways <laughs> are extremely narrow. I believe at some points as wide as 20 yards, which is not wide at all. And then you have the rough, which is reportedly just that rough. 
And then <laughs> this interesting note about the cypress trees out there on the course, Bridget. If you hit the golf ball into those trees, sometimes gravity doesn't work. The ball doesn't hit the ground because the trees just eat it up. So it's going to be a really difficult test. And I think it's going to be this interesting blend, Bridget, of, and we talked about it before going on air, British Open and U.S. Open. Pretty long, cold, damp San Francisco temperatures below sea level or just at it so the ball is not going to travel and then that thick luscious rough we could see some carnage this week yeah for sure I mean I think the weather is sort of going to be the key factor going into this um, I think that it's a course where your approach shots matter obviously always hitting the fairway is important especially when the rough is gnarly which it definitely is going to be I think every golfer who has seen the course thus far who has spoke to the media has said that the rough is insane so probably want to stay out of it if you have any chance of you know gaining shots on those holes and I think putting is going to be the key this week I heard that the greens they aren't like that big so if you could put your, you know, approach shot in the right position and you're rolling it well, I think that those people are going to obviously do the best. I know everyone always says putt for dough, but last week, Justin Thomas didn't really putt that well and he got the W. So I think that this week putting is definitely going to be a key factor and the weather, the weather just sort of is that like, you know, that X factor, it's going to be cold, it's going to be damp. San Francisco has that fog. So like, obviously the conditions are going to play, as you said, kind of more like British Open-esque. Yeah. Um, and like right now, obviously those guys who could hit it farther are obviously going to be at an advantage. And that's just like how it works. The air's denser. Well, it doesn't travel as far. Like everyone knows that that's how it works. So I think that for me this week, a guy who is really trending in the putting section is is gonna fare the best so there's always this paradox when we talk about fit for a particular golfer as it pertains to distance versus accuracy and by that i mean okay if you have somebody like bryson DeChambeau who hits the ball a long way doesn't hitting the rough negate the fact that he hit it so long and then he has to deal with the rough. But then again, if you talk about a plotter out there, i.e. a Webb Simpson, he's constantly having to hit long irons into greens on those par fours, which will be the right. case for a lot of guys. And then your proximity to the hole is probably going to suffer. So it's this paradox here, and it's really hard to strike that perfect balance of, oh, okay, this course fits this golfer perfectly. Because honestly, Bridget, I think we're going to have a very mixed up leaderboard as it pertains to driving distance and that sort of thing. Just because, first of all, there are many other factors at play in a golfer's game. How's your short game that day? How's the putting going, as you mentioned? How's the iron game? Can you save yourself? Can you get lucky? So it's all of that put together. And I think we could have quite an interesting leaderboard it's not just going to be brooks dj bryson rory sort of situation i think the webs of the world can kind of surface and be factors this week yeah i mean i absolutely agree with that and yeah you're referencing webb simpson he's won twice already so you know this season so he's definitely someone that i think is in the mix i also think that this course it's really long for a par 70 right like 
I, I mean, and it has those curving fairways. It's going to require players to, you know, choose how aggressive they want to be to shape their tee shots. They have to be careful to avoid the cypress trees, which are known to like swallow up golf balls. Um, so I think that the course is going to play long in the thick San Francisco air, especially when the fog rolls in. I think that it's such a, it's so hard to, I mean, every week it's so hard to sort of try to figure out who, what player is going to, you know, be, rise to the top. I mean, I honestly, going into final round Sunday, I did not think that Justin Thomas was, was going to get the win. I really didn't. So like, as we've said a myriad of times, golf is super volatile. It's really hard to predict who's going to do well in a course, especially even, you know, if they're trending or playing well. When it comes to a major, that kind of doesn't matter because there's just so much like angst and anxiety that goes into it. I remember Brooks Kepka, he sort of broke down his formula for why he considers majors almost easier than regular tour events. And initially you hear that and you're like, oh come on. But he broke it down and he and he made a lot of sense because you cut the field in half. And he's obviously going to play better than those guys, right? And then you mm -hmm. cut that in half. So you have like 35 to 40 guys. And like probably half of those guys are just going to get swallowed up by sort of the, the nerves and the nerviness of a major, right? Because it's like, it's, it's so weighing. It, it's a major championship. This is what these guys play for to rack up in their career. Yeah, PGA Tour events are great. And, and I mean, obviously, to win a PGA Tour event, you have to be an excellent golfer. I'm, I'm definitely not downplaying that. That is a feat in and of itself. But Brooks really made the point of saying that majors, they just carry so much more that guys sort of just fall by the wayside due to the pressure. So with the weather this week, with just the way I think that the course is set up, and with the nerves of a major, it's it's so hard to predict who's going to play well. Absolutely. And I also talked about this before going on air with you that you just have this group of golfers who typically show up at major championships. And for you betters out there, you fantasy gamers, you don't want to get too cute with your selections in terms of who you think can hoist the Wanamaker trophy. You kind of want to go chalky if you look at the form guide of recent major championship finishes for a lot of these guys, it's usually the same names. Kepka obviously is number one, but McElroy has been there for the last 10 major championships for the most part. John Rahm of late, the last five major championship starts, he has been inside the top 11 four times. Justin Thomas, a guy as well. Xander Schauffele, somebody we'll talk about a lot on this show too. And then you also have this interesting element Bridget of players who don't have a lot of major championship experience and I don't know if this is going to be the week that they actually show up with a top 10 but eventually they will have that top 10 and I'm thinking of guys like Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa I once thought about that with Gary Woodland the guy never showed up at major championships and guess what eventually he worked his way and he won the U.S. Open so it's going to be a really interesting combination of trends here. Obviously, the guys who are always there, the guys who are rising, the Hovlands, the Morikawas of the world, Abraham Answers, another name, and then, you know, some 
Long shots that can still get it done. Louis Oosthuizen, Shane Lowry, for crying out loud, won the British Open. He's the most recent, by the way, major champion. So I think the field is really intriguing, but I think Brooks is right. Yeah, I think you can really just cut it down, especially at the PGA, Bridget, because, of course, unfortunately, uh, there could be some carnage for our friends at the PGA professional schools across the country because, of course, the professionals are playing, and uh, it's going to be a hard test for those guys. Right. So like when you hear 156 players yeah. and he does, like he alluded to that, he really does break it down where who actually am I competing against? Like who realistically do I have to worry about? Who do I have to beat? And once he sort of broke that down for me, I was like, wow, that's like, I mean, honestly, it, it really is a good way to look at it. And it's really progressive in the sense of like, you cut that enormity of like, wow, I got to go out and beat 160 or whatever, you know, 155 guys this week. Mm -hmm. Bryson DeChambeau, by the way, the <laughs> last six major championship starts, MC 35, MC 29, MC 51. Sometimes it's going to take had a top 10, right? Never had a top 10. That's crazy. Never. Yeah. And so somebody asked me last night on a radio interview about Bryson's chances. And I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to be diplomatic. I don't think he uh, finishes inside the top 25 this week. I really don't. <laughs> it just could be one of those situations where Bryson has to work his way, but we shall see. Uh, let's talk about our guy, Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. So obviously did not play last week at the WGC. And I'm sure all of you guys have heard this before. Four competitive rounds. Four competitive rounds. That's it. The T40 at Memorial. Uh, he does know TPC Harding Park fairly well. 2005 WGC American Express champion, winning that over John Daly. Talked about that last week. Of course, went 5-0 and at the 2009 President's Cup at Harding Park. With the, the question is, the century. What's that? With the twirl of the century. Yes. Oh, I've seen that uh, pretty recently. Argyle sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it needs the Nike swoosh, but I get it. He's part of the team. Uh, so you would assume he practiced at home. And, you know, here we go again with the old classic rest versus repetitions debate. And we don't have to go through it again, Bridget. But obviously we are both on team rest as it pertains to Tiger because the data supports the fact that he can play well after a layoff one example in his last win at the zozo championship tiger withdrew from the northern trust and finished t37 at the bmw championship weeks went by october october came and then tiger went ahead and won in japan so it's like in terms of the layoff that's not my worry my worry for tiger actually is this course and the fit for him but feel free to disagree yeah, I mean, we've talked about it so many times. If there's anyone who sort of does well after time off, it's this guy. And I kind of, I, I think that, I don't know, he knows his body so well that I kind of caught into him taking time off now, which is like so weird. But anyway, so for me, him having four competitive rounds, like whatever, that's enough to sort of get the vibe of like this no fan, you know, this fanless experience, the testing protocols, all that stuff. He's had that experience. I think that you hit the nail on the head. He arrived early to Harding Park. He was there on Sunday. Well, everyone else was at the WGC. 
or traveling. And I think that that, you know, sort of shows that he has this new formula now that he kind of is, is accustomed to following where he clearly is going to get his reps in, in a more kind of like, I don't want to say relaxed fashion, but a, a, a fashion that fits the state of his body right now. So I think that today he's even resting a little bit. He's not really out on the course. I think he'll probably go out tomorrow for a little bit. He was out there yesterday, but it's just a, it's a different sort of take on, on how he preps now. The guy won the masters last year. Yeah, I know he's the wizard of Augusta, but I still think that his mental fortitude sort of puts him ahead of the the curve in major championships because I think it's a huge mental game especially this major it's the first major in over a year that hasn't happened since World War II 1940s to win this I think for those guys that you mentioned earlier Victor Hovland Colin Morikawa I mean even the guys like John Rahm you know Jordan Spieth hasn't won since 2017 Justin Thomas, yeah, he might not be exhausted from last week because, you know, it's. I don't think the adrenaline is pumping as much with the fans not being out there and just the climate. I think the whole vibe is just totally different. So maybe he's not as fatigued, but it's just like he returned to world number one. Yeah, he's acting all cool, calm, and collective, but no way does that guy not want to win this week. So for all of those guys who who I think, you know, really have a, a shot, I, I even think, I do think Victor Hovland could do something special. Like, sure. who knows? I, yeah, I never count anyone out. But I think that Tiger's mental state and sort of like, this is his 21st PGA Championship. He's also like the best golfer in the world. <laughs> so those things, the rest for me isn't really a factor because the the cost benefit are outweighed by the the positives that he does have. And the history of him coming back from time off is a lot of wins. If you want to go back and look at, you know, whether he took time off for injuries or for surgeries or whatever it may be. Check the data. Yeah, he usually, and yeah, I know he's in his 40s now. It's a whole different story. But I'm just saying, he he really, I don't think he gets as hindered as maybe others. I think that for him, he's so used to this that I'm not saying that it, you know, it's something that he, he sort of looks to, to do, yeah. but it's something that I don't think he has to climb that hill as much as someone else would. Like, put Rory in the same situation. I have no idea how he would fare. I really don't. And and that like says a lot because Roy McIlroy is, is one of the best golfers of all time. Like the guy is amazing. But put him in that situation where he would have to take long periods of time off because COVID just happened and he did take a little time off and he's not faring that well. Nope. So there are stellar players that I don't know if they would do as well as Tiger does after time off just because it's familiar and like familiarity in golf and in life really does trend towards positivity. It, you know, I mean, even with people that you've known for a long time, it's just that comfortability. Like if I want to break it down to be like layman across the board, those people that you've known forever, you're comfortable around. And it's kind of like that familiarity he bodes well with. And by the way, I think sometimes it's easy to forget 
Tiger was never a 20 tournament per year kind of guy anyway. Like he usually was very picky and choosy about where he played, even in like 2004 and five and six, you know what I mean? He wasn't showing up every week. So when he did show up, it was obviously a big thing. Uh, So for Tiger to not play all that much this year, you know, not necessarily anything new. Uh, Sitting world number one players to win major championships Rory did it, 2014 PGA. Fred Couples, 1992 Masters. Ian Woosnam, 1991 Masters. And then, of course, Tiger doing it 11 times. Justin <laughs> Thomas with the chance there, Bridget, to uh, be added to that list. Speaking of Tiger and JT, those two will be together, along with Rory McIlroy, on Thursday, 11.33 a.m. Eastern Time. So it's a morning tea time for Woods on that Thursday and Bridget you like this I do I like it I've been uh you know me <laughs> I've been monitoring that uh good old San Francisco weather for some time now and as of now Thursday morning is a few degrees warmer than Friday morning <laughs> which matters for him I mean I think it does I really think it does if you're talking about 70 compared to 65 for his body I really do think that that might matter in his warm-up. I, obviously, I don't know. This is just me sort of kind of going off of what I've heard him say. So I, I do like the more, I like the early late. I like it. I'm such a nerd. You have to also factor in the wind chill and all of that. So sure. it's going to be interesting playing out there in San Francisco and also very interesting for the players who just participated in the WGC in a very hot Memphis, Tennessee, right? So you want to talk about juxtaposing those two weeks, you know, it's going to be a night and day situation. So very interesting test for a lot of guys who played last week. So for Tiger Woods' chances this week, Bridget, Mm. I'm struggling internally because of course there are two versions of me on this podcast. There is the fan cam rogers and then there's the analyst cam rogers the analyst who correctly picked the winner last week by the way i didn't mention that yet i'll mention it again and for tiger's chances this week i don't love his fit at tpc harding park and i've said this many times going back to my early shows how tiger woods is more course dependent now than ever before that's why i think he will always be a contender at the Masters, at the British Open, where you can club down, hit those stingers. This course, if he gets a little wayward, has to hit it out of that rough with that back? I don't know. Do you understand my concern here, or do you think uh, he actually has a shot? Yeah. uh, So I like him. (laughs) Okay. And I don't know if that's – honestly, we all know I actually like him. But I I like him. Like, you know, it has a hometown feel. He went to Stanford. He won, you know, he beat John Daly in that crazy, oh, man, the story that John, after losing, went to Vegas, flew like $1.6 I'll never forget <laughs> hearing that for the first time. By the way, not playing this week. He dropped out. Right, right. Due to, due, just to precautionary yeah. things. No other reason. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, like you alluded to, Tiger, his whole career has has cottoned to and, and picked playing at courses that suit his game. And he's been very judicious his whole career. This isn't like a new thing. And I know that obviously the, the golf fans 
know that Tiger was very strategic in courses that he played. And now, I mean, TPC Harding Park, who was never really an annual host of a PGA Tour event during Wood's career. But he's played there twice. And I don't know. His results were, I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you're right. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. I like him this week. I think that he looked so good on Sunday. Like, he looked so good. He just looked relaxed. He, he looked healthy. For me, it's more about like the state of Tiger. You know, it, it's like, so for most players, it's the state of their game, right? Like mm -hmm. a guy, I don't know, we'll just take Brooks Kepka. He, he played well last week and they, you know, he, he and his team alluded to that. They did find something that he was sort of kind of, favoring the knee so his swing was off and they fixed that and they put the weight back you know they sort of they figured something out and then he finished t2 last week i mean he almost won if he didn't hit if he didn't hit the ball in the water I, like i don't know maybe he would have won i have no idea so someone like him i think that the state of his game is key in in him winning anything whether it be a major or a regular tour event for me, Tiger, as of right now, and, and maybe always, because he's always sort of dealt with health issues, you know? He's never, I mean, I guess like way, way, way back when, when he first started. No, when he was a young gun, you know, slinging tour wins like crazy. Like I heard a stat that, so Justin Thomas is 27, mm -hmm. and he has 13, 13 PGA Tour wins. They brought up how many PGA Tour wins did Tiger have when he was 27? I don't know if you know the answer. Uh, a lot. 34. Yeah. So, like, the enormity of that is just insane. I, I know that this they were showing, like, a bunch of graphics, like, Tiger and Jack, and, and now Justin Thomas are the youngest to get to 13 tour events. But the fact of the matter is, Tiger got to 13 when he was 23 years old. Yeah. And then within those four years, he got 21 more. <laughs> like, that's insane. So for me, he's always sort of been like the state, because obviously I, I wasn't really following him at the beginning of his career. I was quite young. But since I've started following him, the state of Tiger is sort of indicative of how he plays. And I think the state of Tiger right now is good. I don't think that him skipping the WGC was a negative. And I brought this up on last week's positive, uh, last week's po podcast. That always it was, positive it's always positive that that was a positive because he had the, he sort of had the ability to choose not to go because he did make the cut at the Memorial. So I took from it that that sort of played into maybe his storyline that he kind of wanted to have time off because as we said, last week's event was was no cut. So he was going to get those four rounds in no matter what. And maybe that would have been too much stress on his skeleton. I don't know. I think that coming into Harding Park, he looks good to me. I think he has fond memories here. And I think that that's a confidence booster for him. I mean, it's been 13 months since the last major, yeah. but I think that experience, I, I think that it's, I think it's going to pay off for him. And again, <laughs> He could miss the cut very well. 
he also could win. He is that guy for me. He's always been that guy for me. Not many guys are that guy where every week you could say, yeah, they have a shot to win. No, that's, that, that's not how it works. Do I think Daniel Berger has a shot to win this week? No, I don't. Did Thank I think, God. I thought you were going to say yes. <laughs> did I think he had a shot to win last week? Yeah, I did. You want to know why? Because he's won at that course twice. <laughs> so, like, for me, it doesn't matter that Tiger hasn't, you know, won a bunch of times at Harding Park. That really it isn't indicative of his success. It's just not. The other thing about Tiger – the guy hasn't played enough on the PGA Tour this year to actually qualify for statistical rankings. Right. So if you're going with your predictions for Woods, it's all anecdotal quotes and really just narrative at this point. You're basically throwing a dart and guessing is right. what I'm saying. Uh, and a lot of it is feel. Do you feel like Tiger fits this course do the factors all fall into play for him? Yes, the cold temperatures do worry me a little bit. Uh, but could this guy hoist the Watermaker Trophy on Sunday evening? 100% yes, he could. And like you said, could he miss the cut? Yeah, that too. Tiger Woods looking to win his fifth PGA Championship title, which would tie him for the most all-time with Jack and a guy by the name of Walter Hagen, who won four straight PGA Championships back in the 20s, when this was a match play tournament, eventually went to stroke play, of course. So, Bridget, I mean, if you had to put a finishing position for Tiger, yeah, what would it be? Okay, so the only cause for concern for me is it's very angly, and it's hard to hit fairways, especially I think the conditions are going to be really tough. The rough is up. I mean, it's going to be overcast, cool. I say T22 yeah. is where I would put him. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I mean, top 25 finish for Tiger this week yep. I think would be just fine. Um, obviously not what he wants, not what we want. What we're saying is we're not picking him to win this week. I think that is clear. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he does, you know what? God bless him because <laughs> he continues to surprise us. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, and that's the thing. He very well could. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sitting here right now, and I honestly, I want to say I would be surprised. Him winning the Masters last year just sort of deflated things for me where it was kind of in, like, a good way. In kind of the sense of, like, expectations for him are so elusive. So, like, if he won – I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's going to be interesting. Going to be a fun week. You know what, Bridget? I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch Tiger. I'm going to hope he uh, gets off to a good start on Thursday morning and then go from there, honestly. So stay tuned. 1133 AM Eastern time. Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and Justin Thomas getting it going. All right, let's get to our picks here, Bridget. So, I found this stat interesting. Since 2004, every PGA Championship winner finished at least inside the top 30 in their last tour start. So you can eliminate a lot of guys with that one-liner there. Tiger Woods being one of those people, he finished T40 at the Memorial. 
I told you that I was going to uh, kind of think about my pick throughout the podcast, and I really didn't think about it too much because I was thinking about Tiger, which is, you know, <laughs> par for the course. Here's what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what. I like Xander Shoffley a lot this week. But I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I feel like I'm on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. You know what, Regis? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> okay, that's great. I love it. Honor the Reg. So Fowler it is. I saw something in his game last week. He went through some swing changes, and he gave us a little hint, I think, of what can come soon. Remember, this guy has contended multiple times at major championships. Has he won one? No. Can he? Yes. His window is open for somebody like Matt Kuchar. Sorry, buddy. Probably closed at this point to win your first major, but give me Fowler. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of discussion on Fowler lately, and he's definitely trending. So I always like Ricky. I think he deserves a major win. Like, he, he's got to get one. He will get one. I don't know where it's going to be. Maybe it will be this week, but he will, he will get one. The competition is only getting more difficult, so I would prefer to get one sooner than later. But I do, I do think he'll get one in his career. Okay, is it my turn now? Over to you. All right, so first of all, I just have to say that Tiger Woods was asked if he could win this week, and his response was a short and quick, of course. Oh, um, my God. Well, there's Why do that. people ask? <laughs> yeah, I love that, man. My pick this week, I also was going towards Xander Shoffley. I mean, he's a California kid, major contender. He did really well at Carnoustie which we think that this is going to have kind of British Open vibes. He played really well at the Masters. He's a, he's a major dude. But I'm not going to pick him because you know what? I've already picked him. I picked him in the workday, and he gave me a T14, and that was great. So I'm going to go with a little British fella. I'm going with Matthew Fitzpatrick this week. Riding a hot putter right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think putting is key. And – He's talked about that, you know, he chose to come over here after the, the pan, you know, the time off because of the pandemic. And, and he made it a point to come over and, and do that 14 day quarantine. And he's played a bunch of events since the restart and he's doing really well. He's, I mean, he finished T6 last week. He's sort of, his game is, is trending. The key for me about Matthew Fitzpatrick, and he's alluded to it multiple times, he doesn't get frustrated by the fact that he hasn't won yet. He doesn't, and he's, he's spoken about that because he knows that week to week, things aren't all going to align. And he's just kind of waiting for that time when all parts of his game align. And for him, it's sort of like he's had holes where he just blows them up and that sort of hinders his ability to win. You know, like one hole has sort of hindered him. And that sort of thing, I think, could get frustrating. And the fact that he said, no, like, for me, it's not frustrating that I haven't won yet. It's just, like, part of the process. I love those guys who are the process guys. Jason Day was always talking about the process um, prior to his first major win. So I think, for me, Matthew kind of has that, like, patient factor, which a lot of guys out there kind of don't. And I think that's really going to give him a leg up. And I just think he's playing really well. He's a really good long iron hitter. And his putting's been great. I don't know. I'm going with, uh, going with Natty Fitzpatrick. 
Some pretty steady finishes. His last four major championship starts include a 20th, 12th, 41st, and 21st. So he's been yeah. lurky, you know, just kind of hanging around there. So and we'll that see. smog, you know, the, the England smog, exactly. the San smog, the fog, I don't know. Maybe it'll bode well. All right. Can we just mention Jordan Spieth? Obviously the big sure. storyline with him, a chance to capture the career grand slam i mean our guy jay is a little confusing right now with his game but do you give him a shot at all yeah i mean i don't know it's so crazy that he hasn't won i mean his last win was the 2017 british open he hasn't won not only has he he hasn't won a major in that time span he hasn't won any pga tour event it's pretty right. crazy. And that storyline of, of him getting the career Grand Slam is so far down the totem pole this week. It's really not high on the discussion list, which is wild. Hence why it's like a footnote in our show right now. <laughs> I know, which is crazy. If, if you went back to 2017 and you were like, hey, in 2020, Jordan Spieth isn't what he won't have won. And you'll be like, at all? No, not at all. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Like that's insane. And again, I know that golf, that's how golf works. Mm, I, I don't know. I guess maybe the only thing that I like about him right now is I think that he has found some confidence as of late, which I think he was lacking. I think that for a long time, Justin Thomas was in the shadows of Jordan Spieth and we've kind of done a total like flip flop. Yeah. I don't know if that bothers Jordan as much as, it seems that it would or it should, which again, you know, what do I know? But I'm a super competitive person. I think that every single professional athlete is a supremely competitive individual. That's why they're a pro athlete. So I think that that definitely sort of irks him. Um, and I think that he would like to show up on a big stage and sort of like put an exclamation mark on it. But the pressure the pressure of getting the career grand slam, the pressure of winning again. Just the ask Phil Mickelson. Right. And like the pressure of not missing a cut now, I think weighs heavy on him. I think that he's had a lot of Fridays, which just don't go his way. And I think that that, again, like familiarity could bode well. I think negative familiarity could not bode well. And for him, I think that he definitely has found some confidence and I think that that would really be the only thing that I could see him pushing through I don't think he's gonna win this week but I also don't think he's gonna miss the cut so right that's kind of tough tough grinder sort of week so I think that suits his game uh I will just say a final note on Jordan Spieth you want to talk about having a major championship game leading 10 stroke averages for the last 10 major championships, Jordan Spieth is within that top 10. So obviously, yeah, 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 a lot of that has to do with his success, you know, 2015, uh, actually doesn't go back that far, but still, uh, he's been around. So we'll see what happens. Going to be a fun week, of course. Bridget, any closing thoughts about our only major championship? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for it, but my USGA responsibilities have me really focused on the U.S. Women's Am this week, so y'all should check that out, too. There you go. Uh, amateur golf is back, and um, I think it's going to be awesome. We're at Woodmont, and it, it's a really cool course, and I think it's 
going to be an awesome week for those ladies. So I'm excited about that too. And of course, you will be there at Winged Foot for the U.S. Open. So very excited to talk to you before that tournament as well. Indeed. All right. All right, folks, here we go. PGA Championship this week. We hope Tiger Woods can hoist the trophy, but hey, a top 25 finish, that's just okay, too. This has been the Tiger Woods Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Cam Rogers signing off alongside Bridget Whalen. We will talk to you next week. Happy Major Week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.